What's going on, guys? Before we get started on this episode of the podcast, make sure that you're following, you're subscribed, and give the show a rate. really helps us reach a wide variety of people so we can make some awesome content for you. Also, make sure you go follow us on Instagram at innovators.anonymous. You can get all the updated news on the show and see what's going to be coming down the pipeline next. Have a good one and enjoy. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Innovators Anonymous. My name is Colin Waitzman. I'm going to be your guide today. And uh, this is definitely another uh, exciting episode that we have for you all. We have former SEC quarterback, uh, current keynote speaker, author, entrepreneur. You wear so many hats. Um, Alex Demchek, um, as a guest to the podcast. Alex, uh, thanks a lot for, for coming. Uh, really looking forward to this. Colin, I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, and uh, I'm excited to talk with you. For sure, man. For sure. Well, um, so I'd like to kind of start set the scene a little bit on how I uh, kind of heard about you and and where where you come from. So uh, I went to Mount St. Mary's University, really small uh, Division One school in Maryland, about an hour and a half outside of Baltimore, and I graduated class of 2019. And then once I'm, uh, I'm out of college, I see a speaker. Uh, they, they have like a speaker come to all the athletes every single year, pretty much. And then I, I see your name coming through and, and all of my friends talking about it. Like, yeah, man, we had this, uh, we had this great speaker come through uh, talking about, you know, helping us out with, uh, you know, everything that's going on, being an athlete. I'm like, oh, I got to take a look at this guy because <laughs> we, have, we have speakers all the time. Some, some of them are good. Some of them are, you know, not so good. And um, looked up your story. And I'm like, wow, like this is, uh, this is pretty cool. It's a, it's, a, it's a little different than some other people. But uh, yeah, so I, it, it was, it's cool seeing you coming all the way out to Maryland from what the Midwest. I mean, you're traveling all over, man. <laughs> yeah, that, that was a grind, but it, that was really cool. I think I did um, 16, it was, I think it was 16 talks in 17 days or something crazy. Cause I did the entire NEC conference, which was awesome. And uh, your school was actually really cool because I, can't you like see over like the no, isn't that the no fly zone? Isn't that your school? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, or one of those, that was really, that was really cool to experience, but yeah, I'd never been to the East coast. And for me, that was, um, man, I just had a lot of uh, honey and um, in those hotel, each hotel I was in, I would just, just get honey so I could save my voice. Cause I'd give, you know, two talks a day. And I think it was literally 16 talks in 16 days. And I, that, I'd never done that before, but it, it was an awesome experience. I'd never been to the East coast for the most part, uh, but that was a cool experience. Just met so many awesome athletes and coaches that I'm still connecting with on social media now. So I love a big fan of the NEC conference, but um, yeah, that was, that was a cool experience for me for sure. That's got to be a lot like going like what's like the logistics of doing 16 talks in 16 days. And for like, you'd think when you hear like, Oh, NEC conference, all the schools should be pretty close. They're not <laughs> They're we're, like from us in Maryland up to central Connecticut is uh, what, like a four or five hour 
drive. <laughs> it's a lot. Like, what's going into setting this stuff up for you? Man, that was a lot. And and luckily, uh, my wife Erin, she kind of handled all my logistics, and she's very, very, very organized and detailed. A lot more than I am. So literally, a few months out, um, we just kind of mapped out. Like, okay, I'm going to be at this hotel. I'm going to be at this school. But yeah, it was crazy. Um, I just got like a little rental uh, Nissan Leaf or some kind of car. I don't even remember. And I just, there was definitely nights where I had to just like, like, you know, probably like you do, I had to just put in some podcasts and be like, all right, I got to stay awake for these next four hours because I'm going to this other school. Um, But I think really just as I was doing those drives, I was away from family. I was gone for almost a month because I was going from school to school. You know, I had to, I had to go back to my vision in some ways of, okay, why am I doing this? even though I'm tired, I'm, I'm getting up at 4am in the morning. I think I had to go back to, you know, if I can make a difference in one person's life, each place I go, then that's worth it. That's worth this drive. Um, and I, I, I truly believe that. And so what's cool is, is then you go to that school and then maybe you have a cool and awesome conversation with someone afterwards who maybe was struggling with something that maybe you, not that you're anything special, but maybe you helped um, them think about it differently or you helped them, um, you know, with something mentally that they have going on in their life or you just encourage them. And I think that was the, that's, what's cool about, you know, when you do step out to try to make a difference in whatever you're doing, you know, just remembering, Hey, if I can make an impact on one person, then it's worth it. And then I think in the end, we probably impact a lot more people than that. But I think that was the mentality I had to have of man getting up at 4 a.m. in the morning. Yeah, this is tough. Getting on a flight, driving here, going there away from my wife, away from my family. Yeah, that's tough. But when I look back on it now, I can say, man, I didn't have any regrets about that. I just, you know, situations like that, I just went for it. You know, I just, mm-hmm. I just, I don't know what I'm getting into, but I'm, I'm just going to try it. Right. And so I think that's a, something that I learned is like, it was tough uh, at times, but it was also, it was really awesome in the end. Yeah. The thing that I really like about um, whether it's motivational speakers or, you know, whatever, whatever it is that you want to call them or call you guys, it's like yeah. the best, my favorite thing is when you guys are really bring out like the people that, how can I explain this? Like, it's, it's less like, Hey, this is me and I'm so great and I can do it. It's less of that and more of, Hey, let me, let's look at your life and let me show you how you're, you can reach your potential or how you guys can reach your, um, uh, you know, your greatness and focus more on the people in the crowd than, Hey, this is why I'm the best person alive. Like, cause those people, it's like, eh, okay, it's cool to hear an interesting story, but like, it's really more impactful. I feel when you, you reach out to the crowd and show everyone else like what they can do. Oh, for sure. You're, you're spot on because I think, you know, um, when you think about public speaking, for example, as we're, while we're on this topic, you know, most people, you know, they, they do studies and most people would rather like jump off a cliff than get up and give a speech. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like you hear someone that like enjoys talking you're like, okay, you're kind of weird. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I go back to like, like what you were just saying, almost in some ways, like the message that I'm sharing or, you know, whatever it is, the thing you're trying to convey, if I can view that as more important than my comfort, my comfort, you know, that's going to help me push forward and get in front of a thousand people when maybe that's maybe a little out of my comfort zone, even as a speaker, or maybe for you, for each person, it's going to be different. But when I go back to, okay, the thing that I'm sharing has the potential maybe to encourage someone in a big way in their life, you know, mm-hmm. that's pretty cool ultimately to think about. And so is my comfort, is my comfortability more important than that at the end of the day? And, and I don't think it is. And so I think when you look at it like that, like you were saying, like when my vision and my message is more important than just my comfort zone, 
that's when I just got to go for it. And I think, yeah, you're, you're totally correct. Like it's, it's the humility, it's the, um, relating to people and sharing stories that resonate ultimately is what it's all about. And what I try to do, because like you said, no one wants to hear my, you know, about me for 30 minutes, but they do want to hear about, Hey, how can they take a few of these things and maybe apply them to their sport or their life or their business at the end of the day? Yeah. Um, for me, public speaking's a, a funny thing. Cause I mean, I, I've listened to a few of the, the shows you're, you're on and a few of the shows that, that you, the show that you host and clearly you like public speaking. Uh, so do I. And I remember how weird of a feeling it was when I heard, like when I finding out that other people don't like doing this and I'm like, or like when other people are like, Oh yeah, I hate public speaking. I'm, I do not want to do this presentation tomorrow. And I'm thinking about, Oh, how can I make this really cool? Like, how can I make my presentation the best? Um, what was it like for you when you found out like, Hey, I really like doing this. And it's kind of strange that, you know, not everybody feels that way. <laughs> yeah. It sounds like we're the same. Um, I, it was actually my senior year of college. I was in a public speaking class at university of Missouri where I went to school and, you know, I just joined it, not really knowing what I was getting into. I was a communication major and business minor in school. And so I was like, well, this sounds like a fun class. And so I get in this class and it actually was pretty life-changing for me. So um, like you mentioned, when I was in the class and we'd have to, you know, we'd have a, let's say oh, next Friday, you have a presentation. Most people in the class were like, oh my gosh, I don't want to do this. And you'd get in these groups and things like that. And I was like you there was this one presentation we have to give. This is a funny story that you had to like essentially create a business or an, an organization and then like talk about it and give like a five minute presentation. So you had to just make something up completely in like a week. And so I was like, all right, this is kind of cool. So I, I kind of made uh, my, I think my business was like an athletic department and I made up this team of people and, and remember this was my senior year of college. And so what I did, it's kind of fun, creepy, but funny. So everyone else's presentation was kind of like, you know, just run of the mill type thing. Well, I was like, you know what? I want to get a little creative with this. So I looked up everyone in my, in that class, like from their high school pictures on Facebook. So I went in Facebook, stalked them. <laughs> I went in Facebook, stalked them. And I found like, just like, not like super like bad pictures, but just like kind of funny slash embarrassing pictures of people in the class who like I was friends with. And I included them in my PowerPoint. So just like imagine you're in this like normally a kind of a boring class. And all of a sudden this dude is up there giving this presentation about this like business he made up. And I'd be like, well, and here is Colin. He's our new vice president of sales. And I would like pull up a picture of you, <laughs> you from like your sophomore year of high school or something. And like these kids would just like these guys in my class would just be like, oh my gosh, I'm up on the screen right now. And so it was just looking back on it. It went from a class that normally the presentations were pretty like, okay, let's get this over with to like every, I included all 26 people in the PowerPoint <laughs> and teacher, like I found an old picture of the professor. Um, and it was all funny. And I guess that was kind of a moment for me that I was like, I really enjoyed doing that. Like, um, hopefully it wasn't too embarrassing for any of the students in that class. But I think at the end of the day, like I saw everyone enjoyed it. It was fun. And it was just fun for everybody, I think. And so then I was like, well, that was pretty cool. And, and then, and then finding out that people actually, you know, don't do that specifically for a career, but go out and speak and, um, use the gifts you've been given and things like that to talk and motivate and encourage. When I found out people did that, like for real, and that's when I'm like, this is really cool. I want to pursue that. 
Yeah, it's it's something that was strange to me as well because um, I mean, originally I was not a fan of public speaking. I actually remember the switch of going from hating it to loving it. And it was my freshman year of high school. We had a book presentation and it was like, okay, what you got to do is you got to read a book uh, that you liked a lot, like all, cause all of ours were assigned and this one was unassigned. And so I remember I read the art of racing in the rain. Uh, and it was like one of my favorite, it's to this day, it's my favorite book that I decided to read. And so I was so excited to like tell the class about it. I'm like, this is going to be great. And I get up to the front of the class and my, I swear they could see my heart beating outside my chest. <laughs> I'm just like, uh, uh, I forgot everything. And like, I was like, what, what's going on? Like, I, I'm like, I just go, I have this panic attack. I have no idea what's going on. And like, and like there, I just start like, just having like, you know, just saying anything about the book. I have no idea where I'm, I still can't to this day, can't remember what I was saying. And I remember like right after that, I get out the classroom. I'm like, Colin, what the hell did you do? <laughs> like, I'm just like, this is terrible. Until then I like decide like, you know what? We're just going to get better at this. Like, I'm so bad at this right now. And I like talking to people. Like I like, you know, talking to my friends after class. I got to get better at this, start getting better. And I actually ended up taking two public speaking classes, once in high school, once in college. Uh, shout out Mr. Haney, still one of the uh, you know, first guy I did it, but <laughs> shout it's, out it was it was crazy because it was like it's it was uh it's something that everyone else like at the end of the day don't like doing and is scared to do and it's like no why do i like this it's strange right and now here you are with the podcast right and so i think the lesson for all of us in that is a lot of people have that first experience and they never do anything past that right like they just had this embarrassing seventh grade situation where they're like okay i'll never be good at speaking the reality is when you're up there speaking most people, and you know this, are not really, like you said earlier, they're not totally focused just on you. They're trying to figure out how can I take this and apply it to my own life, right? Because you go into some high schools and some areas where you can just kind of tell there might be some kids in the back who are like, okay, I'm going to have to work really hard to engage them because they're on their phones, they're not listening. So I think that's what we have to remember too when we're getting up and speaking. Like, I think we think the entire world is looking at me and it's like, well, yeah, maybe they're looking at you, but maybe some of them are zoned out. And so to, to put it all that pressure on yourself is probably a little bit too much, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think just like you said, you have to just get back up and try again. And now look, now you have a podcast. So that's pretty cool. <laughs> I mean, right. So right now you're keynote speaker, you're traveling all over the country to different schools, companies, businesses, all that. Uh, there's, there's not like a, an application to do that. You know, like there's not like a, Hey, you can go to, there's not, at least to my knowledge, not like a, Hey, you know what? I'm going to apply to be a keynote speaker and travel across the country. It's like, you kind of have to decide I'm going to take this chance and do it. Like, how did that go through your head? Like, you know what? I'm going to take the road less traveled, you know, cause a lot of, I'm sure like you're a lot of my friends or like a lot of your friends, like a lot of them are, you know, working a regular nine to five standard thing, whether it's in, you know, sales, what like marketing, whatever, but you're doing something kind of completely different. How did you decide, you know, I'm going to take this risk and really follow this passion of mine? Yeah. I like how you said that there's not really an application for it. Cause I never really thought about that, but that's true. I think, um, for me, when I was graduating and, um, like, like you said, there people like us and a lot of people have opportunities to just have, you know, normal jobs as you'd call them, uh, which are great. And they provide for your family and they're awesome. I just think, um, 
I had to think about, okay, what are the things that I enjoy? And then what are the things that I kind of am feeling pulled to a little bit, right? So, cause I think we all struggle with that. Like, okay, what, you know, you think of the question, what am I supposed to do? Like, why am I on earth? What's my purpose? All those things. And I think we get kind of stuck in that sometimes where it's like, we don't do anything. Cause we're like, well, you know what? My, my purpose is not fully defined. It's not fully clear. So, well, I guess I'll just wait around for that purpose to show up. Right. And if you think about all the successful people, you know, in your life, whether it's someone who built a real estate empire or someone who, um, maybe was the first person to ever graduate college from their family tree. I don't know what the situation is. Fill in the blank. They didn't just sit around and wait for that to happen. Right. And so they, they took a step. Maybe it was just one step towards that thing. Um, maybe it was a leap. I don't know, but they, 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 they moved and they, and they moved in that direction. And I would say that's for me for, for speaking what that's been, you know, I, it was really 2018 June, uh, August 5th of 2018 was one of my first, uh, kind of, I guess you'd say real speaking engagements, which is crazy. So it's only been about two years, um, two years from August 5th. It was actually at a college in Texas that I spoke at. And since then, there's been a lot of days I didn't know what I was doing, but I just said, I'm just going to go for it. And I think one of the biggest things that I would tell um, anybody is, is just find someone in your field that you think you want to go into and just observe and replicate what they're doing. I mean, it's as simple as that, it, it, but it takes you getting out of your comfort zone. And so for me, um, when I was playing college football, I actually read a book called the energy bus and it's a business sales book about leadership, about, you know, just having positive energy, things like that. I read the book and I absolutely loved it. And I was like, this is, this is like how I think this book. Right. And so I actually just emailed the author. His name's John Gordon. I just didn't even really know who he was. I emailed him and um, said, Hey, I just want to let you know, like this book has been pretty life changing for me. And the principle is like, this is how I think I love this. Um, I'd love to stay in, in contact. That's all it was. And it turns out we kept, we kept in touch long-term. And then I ended up about a year later, um, going to work for him just because that email I sent doing sales. So I would then help him book speaking engagements, right. Or help him with some of his details. Cause he, he travels all over the country. And so now here, here I'm working for him in kind of a, you know, um, a sales role where, you know, I'm helping him get a lot of speaking engagements because he's one of the, you know, top keynote speakers now in the country. Top 10 actually just voted. They just rated him the top 10 speaker in, in America. And, um, well, then it turns out August of August of 2018, he has an engagement that he can't be to. He says, Hey, Alex, why don't you do this? And I was like, uh, all right. <laughs> once again, once again, like didn't know really what I was getting into. Right. Mm -hmm. But I said, yeah, fine. So I get on this, get on this flight. It was pretty much a, fr almost pretty much a free speaking engagement. The school just said, Hey, we'll pay for your flight. And I'm thinking they'll pay for my flight to what? Like that to, to speak like, that's crazy. Like I couldn't even at that point, I couldn't even comprehend that. And so that was my first, um, time doing that. But since that day, I remember texting, um, John Gordon afterwards and just saying, I can't believe you get to do this for a career. Like I can't believe it. Like it, like, like almost it, it wasn't even a thing meant mentally for me. I didn't even know that was a thing. And from that day on, I've just continued to, um, still working for him. I've been so blessed by his mentorship. I ask him any question. Um, you know, he has hundreds of thousands of followers on social media. Like I said, he just got voted as one of the top 10 speakers in, I think actually the world, but it might've been America. Um, so that's been huge for me is just having the, I guess just, shooting him an email. Like if I would have never shot him that email, 
maybe I wouldn't even be speaking with you right now. I don't know. But I guess that that's another thing to share with your listeners. It's like, did I know full and well when I sh- sent him that email that it was going to be a great response? No, I didn't know it was going to be a great response. I didn't know. He may, I thought he, maybe he'd ignore me. But I just said, you know what? I'm going to take the 40 seconds out of my day to send that email. I felt like I should do it just to thank him, honestly. And now look where we're at. So I think that's another message for people listening is like, you're not always going to know exactly what you should be doing. But when you kind of feel that pull towards that thing, just take a little bit of movement towards that way. Maybe take one little step because you can always you can always stop, right? Like I could stop speaking tomorrow. I could stop doing podcasts. I could stop doing virtual events. I could stop all that. But if I would have never got started, I probably couldn't have kept doing them, right? So it's just taking that first step towards that thing that you feel called to. Yeah, it's um, something that's it's really important in progressing anywhere in life is taking or taking those smart risks. I mean, obviously, like they're they're dumb risks that you know it's like, hey, don't you don't put your life in danger for something that's like super minuscule. Like that's a risk that, that's kind of dumb. Uh, but then there's these. These, these smart risks where it's like, hey, you you want to do something greater with your life. You want to do something exciting. You try something new. It's like, yeah, like it's not, it doesn't seem like a risk, but yeah, shoot out an email. Like it starts with that. Shoot out an email, see where it can go. It's like, okay, that's a little risk. Okay. A bigger risk. Hey, why don't you fly out to Texas? Well, someone else is you know paying for the flight, but I mean, you're still flying all the way out to Texas, like leaving your family for a day or so. Like it's still like a little bit of a risk. I mean, like it, those are the steps that it takes in order to get to where you want. Cause you're not going to, you're not going to book any big gigs. If you know, if you never at least go somewhere else, like you got to take those steps in order to, you know, become greater for sure. Oh yeah. And I, a guy that I different, different John, his name is John Acuff and he has a, his, his YouTube channel is blowing up right now. He's doing some really cool things. He's a big entrepreneur and he, he said something along the lines of, I'm going to butcher it, but he said something like, you know, uh, your life, your life's not going to be great until you're constantly, um, you know, mi- not miserable, constantly tired from all of your 4am flights, late, late Uber drive. You know, all his point was like, until you're willing to get, do those ridiculous, um, you know, get up at 4am fly here, um, you know, kind of drive late at night, do, do these like weird times. Like until you do that, like you're probably not going to maybe achieve some of the goals you want because you have to, that's just part of the gig. That's just part of it. And I, I really liked that because it was like, well, that's true. Like I'm not the only one experiencing that. There's other people that are putting in that work too. But yeah, I totally agree with what you're saying. You just, you have to just go for it. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's crazy. Um, you know, how, how wild of a, a journey it is. And one last thing before kind of changing topics there. I mean, yeah. so obviously you've been really interested in public speaking and you really like it. What was that first like gig though like? Because I mean, even though it's something, it's like, hey, I, I I love doing this. It's something that I do. I mean, even even professional athletes get nerves when they're at the free throw line, and it's, and you know, it's 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 showtime. So, what was it like when it's like, oh, this is real? I'm sitting, I'm I'm speaking in front of a bunch of people that were supposed to originally hear, you know, one of your your mentors or uh, yeah. one person that you look up to speak, and now I'm talking to them. Like what yeah. was, <laughs> what, what, what's the nerves like when you're, when you're walking into the building for the first time like that? Oh man, it, it was definitely weird. I, 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 yeah, I mean, just like probably anyone would feel, I felt a little bit misplaced. I was kind of, I had the, uh, kind of the imposter syndrome of, okay, what am I doing here? Like, who am I to make a difference? Right. And what's funny is, um, I just laugh about it now because me and the athletic director of that school are great friends. We talk all the time, which is, which is awesome. Um, 
his name's Sam Ferguson. But what's funny is we joke about now, he actually, he, my name's Alex. And so he introduced me as Adam. <laughs> uh, so, so it was pretty funny that like, I just rolled with it. Cause I was like, you know what? Like I'm starting like at ground zero right now. No one even knows who I am. So guess what? I don't even care. <laughs> um, and so I, I just rolled with it. It was funny. Um, so he always, now when I, I've been back to speak there, I think two other times. And then I did a virtual event with him uh, about a month or two ago. And so he always just jokes like, all right, here's not Adam, but Alex. <laughs> um, but yeah, I felt going into that. I mean, I felt like kind of what, what am I doing here? But here's what's crazy. So before that, about two weeks before that, I was just running around my neighborhood. And actually me and John Gordon, John Gordon and I are coming out with a book in 2021 called The Sale. And it's essentially a business book about um, about it's it's a leadership fable about integrity, and you know um, it's going to be really excited for that book to come out. But I, I had I had been thinking about that topic of like leading with integrity, doing business with integrity. It was just kind of on my mind, and this is this is a totally a true story. I was running, and I was thinking to myself, I was like, you know, is this a relevant topic? Like I was truly questioning that. Like, will I get booked? Will I? Um, is this something that people even want to hear about in the business world? Like, is that a big issue? Well, there was a few things in the sports world that just happened around that time that had to deal with like totally integrity issues, like for sure. And literally the next day, this isn't, I'm not making this up. The Sam Ferguson, this athletic director calls me and says, Hey, I want you to come speak with my coaches. I think a good topic and I'm not making this up. He's like, I think a good topic would be integrity. And I was like, are you kidding me? Like here I am like questioning everything about, I've been doing this book. I'm like, is this the right topic? Well, you know, and here he is asking me to speak and that what's one of the things he wants me to speak on. And so that was a really big confirmation for me. But I would say too, one thing that I did um, was just get to know a lot of the coaches in that room before I spoke. I mean, just um, there was a few speakers who went before me. So listening to their talks and then, you know, just trying to connect with different coaches, you know, cause I come from the sports world a lot of the people like you, you know, we're going to have a lot of similarities just off the start, just from the get go. So I think just connecting with a few of them and then, you know, not trying to go in with the message of like, okay, you know, let's say there's a coach over here that coaches soccer, not trying to say like, okay, I'm, you know, I was 26 at the time. You're a 42 year old or, you know, you've been coaching for 42 or two years. I'm not going to come in and try to sound like I have it all figured out. Right. I yeah. think that's one of the things that is I just try to make clear is that like, I don't have all the answers. You probably don't have all the answers, but you know, we're going to talk about a few things that hopefully can help us all grow and get better. And so I think once again, even going back to that gig of not even not feeling adequate, the crazy thing about that is then after the talk, there was just so many awesome conversations of people sharing things with me, emailing me social media afterwards of just connecting and then that kind of validates like, oh, wow, like I flew it. Like you said, I went all the way to Texas, not knowing what I was getting into. Um, and now I've built a career on doing that. So it's like, I think, yeah, I think honestly, it's just taking a leap of faith, knowing that this is the type of thing I want to do. I'm just going to give it a shot. And then I'm going to learn each time I'm going to learn. I actually have a friend who's a pastor and he said, every single time that you speak, whether whatever you're doing afterwards you just take a few notes get your earphone out put in a few notes like what are a few things that you would do differently maybe you told a joke that landed really well that you never tried before or um you know you had just something that you thought went really well or or something that didn't that you want to change for next time so i try to do that after every talk even if it's just two minutes okay what are some ways that i can get better for the next time because really 
it's all about just taking those reps, right? It's all about taking those reps. And something my mentor has told me is, you know, speaking leads to more speaking, right? I think we, a lot of us forget that whatever business you want to start, whatever industry you're in, we forget that the reps lead to more reps, right? And that lead to better reps. And I think we're all, we all just want, you know, all these people, you know, especially coming out of great schools like yours, um, you know, very awesome as far as education. A lot of people just have the expectation that, you know what, I just, I got to make a hundred K right out of my first year out of school, or I, mm-hmm. I have to, this business has to be successful right away. The startup, cause I have a buddy who has a startup. Well, you know, it's about taking those reps too. And sometimes, um, you just have to put in the work before you can ever reap those results. It's about putting in that work in that way. And that's what I've just tried to do each time with my speaking engagement, even if it's something that, you know, um, maybe is, I, I remember speaking to a group of four or five people, right? And in that group of four or five people, I remember driving to Illinois and thinking like, why am I doing this? Well, it turns out one of the people in that room was the CEO of this massive bank in Illinois. Well, guess what? Since that, we've kept in touch. That CEO has brought me in to speak at their whole entire company from that group of four or five people. So it's like, you don't know you know, what you're even getting into, you just have to go out and try to try your best and, and be vulnerable and, and come with humility and, and, and just step into that situation. And I think good things will happen. Yeah. You, you never know the, the impact that, that you can have. I, 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 I'm just getting my career started. So I haven't, haven't had a ton of those experiences yet, but one thing I have had is, um, on a smaller note is I was a summer camp counselor for like seven, eight years, long period of time. And what, what uh, camp, what camp was it? It was like a day camp. Uh, and I, the cool. funny thing is uh, in, in my, my area school in Rose Valley, uh, love that place. Uh, I actually went there from being a preschooler as a camper all the way till I was a counselor, my sought my junior year of college. So I had gone That's there really pretty, cool. I was involved with this place my entire life. And so I knew everyone, like if you were, if you went to that camp at any point, I probably knew who you were, you knew who I was. And so I remember when I was a camper, there's still like people that I remember to this day that had a huge impact that were counselors, like Carrie, George, like all these people, Royale, like I still remember their names from, and the cool activities we did when I was what, 10, 11 years old. And so when I was finally a counselor there, I'm like, I want to do that. I want to be the person that where I'm a counselor to this kid for like three, four weeks. They may only, they may only see me for one week for 40 minutes. And I want them to be like a couple, like when they're 23 years old to be like, you know what? Like Colin, that was really fun. I really enjoyed that. Like, like that time there. And I had that moment one time. It was the last week of camp when I, I told the, the campers, I'm like, hey, this is going to be my last year. Like, got to focus on something else. And I remember on that last day, like all of the, the campers coming up and like, they're just like, Colin, like, thank you so much for being here. And like some of them were getting emotional. I was too, because I had spent you know, some of these p- kids like three, four years of their life. Like there's one, one of the girls, like I, she came in when she was in like five years old and like when wow. I was leaving, she was going to become a counselor next year. And so it's like, it, it was really insane. Like going from, uh, and hearing these kids like, Hey, you had, you played, you had an impact on my life. I'm like, I'm just a summer kid. I'm just teaching. I'm, I'm just playing dodgeball. <laughs> like, how's that? Right. <laughs> I mean, that was one of the most rewarding things for me. Um, hearing from the people that I impacted, like, you know, how, you know, you, know, you helped 
I mean, how, how's that like for yeah. you when, when like after you have speaking engagements or you get a note or maybe it's just after a talk and someone comes up and says, Hey, I, I, this really helped me out. No, that's, that's really cool. You shared that. And I'm actually a huge fan of a camp too. That's why I asked about which camp that you were at. Um, I, I was a counselor in college for about three or four years at Canicut camps. It's in Missouri. And, uh, I actually, you'll have to, it's on YouTube. You can look it up, but I actually proposed to my girlfriend at the time. Now my wife, um, I, uh, the camp director, he hooked me up with this helicopter. So I like fly oh, wow. into the football field all these kids out there, you can watch on YouTube and then, uh, we like flew to dinner somewhere. So that was really cool. But so I love big fan of camps, but, um, yeah, I mean, I think like that, like you said, that's what validates that. Right. So you created these awesome moments with those kids and then you get to see the after effects, right. Uh, of them, maybe their life being changed. But I think something to remember too, is that as cool as those moments are, you know, I think about, um, I saw a picture of, uh, these European cathedrals. And so I've just imagined these like awesome looking buildings, right? You look at a European cathedral and it's beautiful. It's majestic. And what's interesting about these buildings is they actually take hundreds of years to be built. And so when you, when you think about that, there's a few takeaways. I was actually speaking with a group of teachers two weeks ago in Arkansas. And I told them this, you know, when you look at this cathedral, there's a few takeaways. Number one, some of the people who originally started building this building didn't live to see the finished product, right? Like they started and then maybe they died at age 80 or whatever. They didn't, they never saw it built to completion. And number two, some of the people that were building this cathedral, they never got credit for the finished product. And I looked at those teachers two Fridays ago in Arkansas and I said, I'm describing someone who's building a building, but I'm also describing a teacher, <laughs> right? I'm, I'm describing you in some ways. Like, do you always get the credit for like the student who you made an impact on who then went on to do something because of you? Like maybe they're an absolute knucklehead in your class, right? And didn't, weren't listening, but maybe they point to you as an impactful um, person in their life. And same with what you were just saying about the camp. Like, I think that's something we have to remember is that when I speak at these middle schools, you know, some of these kids maybe act like they're too cool to come up and talk to me or too, you know, but then the same person maybe would reach out an email or a parent would say, wow, like, you know, my son came home from school today and I just want to thank you for what you did. So it's like those things that you really um, appreciate. But at the end of the day, you have to remember, like, I'm going to come and bring my message and I'm going to try to impact as many people as I can and just be a positive person and be available. But at the end of the day, like, you know, I heard a stat like, you know, 5% of people are probably just going to like hate what you do. Like they have, <laughs> they don't want to be there. Um, they don't care and they don't really care. You could tell the best joke ever. You could like juggle uh, with flaming <laughs> torches and right. <laughs> but like, they're not, they're just not, they're not going to. And so I think you have to remember that because you could be speaking and I, I've had it where literally in the front row, one of my first talks, actually, the front row, it was a different athletic department. There was this coach that he looked like he wanted to either, he was like a big D line coach or football, he either wanted to kill me or he didn't want to be there or something. And, and like, as you're trying to carry on with this like person staring at you in the front row, it's, it's kind of tough, but I couldn't focus on that. And then what's the thing that blew my mind is guess who came up to me and told me great job after the talk. 
that guy. <laughs> so it's just, it's just funny that you, you experience those things, but then afterwards it is pretty cool to see like, wow, that person, whether they agreed or disagreed with what I said, they, they were moved in some way and then it just starts a good dialogue. So the, the, that is really encouraging. Um, not, not that you just go for that, but it, it is confirming and it, it is encouraging, I guess, to connect. And then you get to connect with other people too, that someone's like, Oh my goodness, I'm from, you know, it's just a really small world at the end of the day in some ways. Um, but I've definitely missed that, you know, during, during COVID, it's been a lot of, it's been a zoom, a lot of virtual things. So definitely that, I think that connection is what I missed since COVID's hit. Cause that's been kind of, you don't, you don't get it as much right now. So yeah, it, it's, it's a very different world with all like, I mean, whether it's working from home or you're not able to go to the, the schools and, and see the reactions on, on the, on all the athletes faces or on the, all the employees faces. I mean, how does, how has this changed for you uh, where your primary part of your job is being in front of people and talking in big groups? Now that's been eliminated. Like how, how did that change and to now doing virtual, virtual events or, or things like that? Yeah. I mean, I, I know a lot of people, um, you know, and for myself, I have my hand in other businesses and other things as well. So for me, like, um, you know, we're doing great, but I think it is tough for a lot of my friends who are, you know, some people or just people in general that maybe over leveraged their lifestyle. They kind of lived off of, they kind of lived it up big with what they were making in 2019. We were coming off one of the biggest bull markets, you know, in our history. And so I think, um, I think one thing I would encourage people wherever you're at, whether you're a 40 year entrepreneur or you're just starting out is like live within your means and, um, stay slim when you start, uh, because then when things like this happen, you're able to then, cause like if I had to, you know, sell my house and do all these things like that's going to affect my business because I wouldn't mentally, but we've lived in a way like under our, you know, within our means. And so that's the first thing is, um, set yourself up for if this happens, you'll be ready. Um, but so that takes discipline for sure. But then I would say, you know, um, during a time like this, you can really decide to panic and freak out, right? If you watch the news all day, that's probably what you'll do. Mm-hmm. Or you can decide to kind of pivot your business and move your business a different direction. And I think that's um, that's what I've had to do. That's what we've all had to do, right? I saw this um, this farm in California. They have like llamas, <laughs> and uh, I'm not even making this up. You, I saw it on uh, LinkedIn, and this this farm was like, okay, what we have all these llamas? What do we do? And <laughs> They started setting up this thing where if your team or like if your team at work or your company had like a Zoom call for like a hundred or two hundred bucks, you could have they they would set up a llama so the llama would be in your Zoom call. So <laughs> so like imagine your team at work, like your boss sets it up to where all of a sudden you guys are like, all right guys, everybody on Zoom, and then like you look over and like one of the screens is like a llama. <laughs> and so it's funny because I read this LinkedIn article and it was talking about how this farm is like sold out, like something like since the pandemic, they've made like thirty or forty thousand dollars or something astronomical. Wow. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, here's this llama farm. Um, innovating and like, what am I doing to innovate? And I think that's just a chart, you know, it's just a funny example. I I think about, and I think looking back on other recessions and other negative times helps too. When you think about the 08 recession, so we were obviously younger um, and maybe didn't um, experience it as much as other people did who were like older than us, but it was tough, right? There was a lot of parts that were really hard about it, but 
a few companies that were started during that time, during the 08 recession. Let me know if these uh, companies sound familiar to you. Uh, number one, Uber, yeah. Venmo, WhatsApp, Groupon, Instagram, and Pinterest. Like those were all started during the 08 recession or after the recession. And so you look at that and say, well, wait, they obviously were going through a hard time, but they found a way just to innovate and make it work. And so I think um, for anyone, that's just, that's just what it looks like right now is, hey, how can I innovate to make this work? Because it has been tough. But if you just sit around and focus on all the things that you've lost um, during this pandemic, I think it's going to be really tough for you to move forward. I think you have to say, listen, these are the things that I have, the things that I have been blessed with. And man, I just got to make it work because if you can start a business or continue to thrive during a time like this, just think about what it's going to be like once you get to the other side of this pandemic. Yeah, I'm excited to see who who are going to be those yeah those Ubers, Instagrams, Pinterests of five years from now. Because I'm sure that there are definitely people that are taking this time to develop new apps, new, you know, brands, new, new marketing campaign, whatever it is, and are going to be the next big thing in a couple of years from now and, and, and doing that right now. And so there are definitely people that are developing, that could be developing the next Uber right now. And right. they might be going through that time where they're like, bro, there's not, no one's driving their cars. No one's doing anything like, well, there's no need for this right now. But if you can see the long-term thing, you, you, can, you can see how it can be a big change. Uh, I mean, one thing that's really, really changed a lot right now uh, we're seeing are sports. Like, uh, all the, like no one's going to sporting events, really. Um, we, we, there's things in the bubble, the NCAA, who knows what the football landscape's going to look like. It's a big difference. I mean, take you back to your freshman year. If you were going through this as a freshman year, a freshman uh, on the football team, how, how, what would be going on in your mind when you're like, I've been, I did all this work to finally make it to, you know, an SEC school, or I guess it was, it was Big 12 at the time. But, um, oh, yeah, Big 12, but yeah, SEC after yeah. that. So what, what, what's going through your head if you're a freshman right now uh, on the football team? Man, it, obviously it is just so tough to think about. I was having a conversation with someone the other day, and it's like, Okay, if you're like old and retired, you know, the pandemic, you definitely don't want to get it. Obviously, you don't want to get COVID. But in some ways, if you're on fixed income and retired, like you're kind of set up in your house, right? Or if you're, you know, really young, maybe it's not affecting you. But man, the college age, as far as high school, college, all the transitions that you're already having, and then you throw on the pandemic on top of it, man, it, it is like super hard for a lot of people right now. Um, I actually... On my podcast, I had uh, last week, I had Jace Reuter on there. He's one of the quarterbacks at University of North Carolina, and we're his friends. And, he, and we were talking through that exact thing, like you just mentioned. It's like, what does it look like to train? What does it look like to continue to do these things when you have no clue of the future? And that's one of the things that I was really encouraged by that he shared is he's like, you know what? Like, we don't know how many games we're going to get this year. We don't know what it's going to look like. But he's like, all I can control is the way that I prepare, the way that I mentally train, the way that I physically train so that whenever I do get a chance, like it's go time. Um, I had another this, another example that I, I've really enjoyed is um, a guy named Damon West. He was uh, on, on my podcast as well. He 
in college, he was, he was kind of, he was playing division one sport. He was living the dream and um, he actually got into some pretty hard drugs. And so he kind of went down the wrong path, got in with some people in Dallas, they started stealing like high end items. And so he would, he would, he and his buddies were known as the uptown burglars of like the 1980s and were stealing hundreds of dollars, hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of stuff, cars, anything from these really high end areas of Dallas and he ended up getting caught, and uh, so he ended up going to prison. He got put away for seven years, maximum security prison, and um, he actually got a life sentence, but he only served seven. But he said during that time, he said, man, when you're in prison, like, everyone there is, he said, most people are just like, you know, woe is me, like, the world's against me, the government's out to get me. But he said, like, for me, he's like, I didn't buy into that narrative. He's like, every morning, I got up at 5 a.m., he's like, I read all these books, I trained my body, I, I trained mentally, I found mentors, as much as I, like, so that during that seven-year period, he went from being this, like, you know, he would call himself just I mean, he was kind of in a crazy life stage and then he like transformed himself in some ways because of the discipline that he had. And then when he's out of it now, he's doing amazing things. And so, you know, I look at the situation we're facing now with COVID and like, man, I think if you just sit around as an athlete and scroll on Twik, uh, <laughs> TikTok, TikTok <laughs> or Instagram, social media, all this other stuff, I don't even, I don't actually don't even have social media on my phone. Um, just as an example, if I show you my home screen, I actually don't have it because for me, it's not that I don't like social media. Um, I just, my wife checks it for me or I have it on a desktop because for me, it's like, I don't want to sit around all the people that I know that are influential, that make a difference. Like I know that they're not sitting around on social media all day, right? Like obviously they maybe they're posting inspiring stuff, things like that. But at the end of the day, like they're not sitting. I, I saw a stat that said during COVID, the average like high school college student is spending from three to eight hours a day, like mindlessly searching or you know whatever. And I'm thinking, like, okay, let's even take three hours a day as the let's just say that's the low end, right? Let's yeah. say I'm not. Let's say it's not eight hours, three hours. Okay three hours a day of like mindlessly surfing. Like think about what you could, you could start like a very successful business if you committed three hours a day. Right. And so yeah. I think that would be my encouragement. And that's what would be going through my head as an athlete is just trying to remind myself like, okay, there's going to be a ton of negativity in the news. We're 80 days, less than 80 days away from like a, you know, an election that's going to be pretty crazy, all these different things, but those are outside of my control. And so what are the things that I can control today? How can I get better today? So that when tomorrow I look back on today, I'm like, you know what? I gave everything I had yesterday. That's all I can do, right? I can't control whether my team actually plays August 26th or whatever your first game is. I can't control that, but I can control how I prepare and how I train because those exact principles carry over into then what you're doing next, like for you and your job or for your next job or those principles are what drive you to then be great in the next thing you do. Cause sports, you know, sports end. I think this pandemic in a lot of ways has taken away a lot of maybe the things that we really value in our life. Right. And we had to learn like, okay, you know, what do I really stand for? And, and, you know, um, how am I going to prepare for this next challenge that awaits, you know? And I think this is, we just got to keep grinding and finding ways to get better each day and then just connect with other people. I think just um, leaning on your family and friends and people that can hold you accountable to that, I think is really important. Yeah, it's um, this quarantine has definitely taught uh, a lot of things for for me, especially looking at some of my friends that are still in college and, and going through that that um, you know going through not being able to compete uh, as an athlete. So, yeah, a lot of my friends are are on the track team, and so they're 
season was ended, I think it was like three days before they were going to go travel down to South Carolina for their first meet. And so I'm like, what would I do? Like, what would I be saying? Like, I, I'm like, I, I'm running through my head. I'm like, all thinking of all these emotions and, you know, definitely in the beginning, I'd be like, world's out to get me. Like, this is terrible. It's the end of the world. When in reality, like taking a step back, it's like, if the worst thing that happens to me during this quarantine is that I don't get to compete as an athlete, I think I'm doing okay. Cause there are <laughs> been like, there, there are people that, you know, uh, lost their jobs and, and are really re- lost their lives because of this. Yeah. And I'm like, so if the worst thing that happened to me is that I have to well, if now I have to what work from home and I have to right. do zoom calls for meetings. I'm like, if that's the worst thing that happens, you know, I, I'm sign me up. Like, cause there, there's so many worse positions you could be in right now than, than where we are today. Oh, I, I totally agree. And that's a great, that's actually a great perspective that actually helps me just going into my day today with the different things that I have to do. But yeah, I, I had the chance to work out with uh, Tim Tebow, someone that I, I really looked oh, up to a awesome. lot as a court. Yeah. A quarterback. It was me, him and his dad, actually, it was just like two hours of, of working out. He actually uh, was by near Mizzou. And so it just kind of worked out and that was really cool for me. Another example of just like reaching out to a mentor. I didn't know what I was getting into. I just reached out to him and it ended up working out, but something that he talked about or he's talked about in the past that I've really re- respected is he goes on these mission trips in the Philippines and people would ask him, you know, when he was playing college football, like you're a Heisman trophy winner, all these things, da da da, blah, blah, blah. But like, how do you overcome the pressure? And that's what he said. Kind of what you were saying. He's like pressure. He's like pressure for me isn't on a football field. Pressure for me isn't on a pressures. When I go over to the Philippines and I see a kid who's living in like a, you know, five by five um, hut, and they don't know when their next meal, where that, that, where the next meal is coming from. Like that's, that's pressure. Like, and so just like what you said, like if, if not being able to compete is that, is that, that's really the worst thing. Then I think you're pretty blessed because like you said, there's been a lot of loss in the last few months and things like that. So just remembering that you are probably pretty blessed and we're going to get through this and this will pass at some point. Mm-hmm. I mean, let's not overshadow how awesome that's got to be to be able to work out with Tim Tebow. <laughs> that's that's got to be pretty, you know, a pretty cool yeah. thing. I mean, he, I know he's probably not answering my DMs, uh, <laughs> so be, you know, having that that's that's pretty awesome. But I mean, yeah. So you were saying that you you were a quarterback as well, and you're a quarterback at yep. at Mizzou's. What was your your time? You know, being a Division One athlete. Um, what are some of the things that people are may get wrong about what it's like being, you know, a division one athlete? And what are some things that, you know, might, you know, might surprise about, you know, your time as, you know, as a quarterback there? Yeah. I mean, a little bit about my story, just to get into the details of my story, because I think this story hopefully can resonate with one of your listeners. You know, I, for me growing up, probably like you sports was, that's what I did. Like I, I, that's just what I cared about. Those are the things that I pursued. And that's, that's kind of what my identity was ultimately at the end of the day. That's what I wanted to do is play division one sport. And I got the chance to do that. And things were great. You know, we were in the big 12 at first, life was going good. Um, going into my junior season, I thought, you know, this, this is the year that I was, I thought I was moving up in the depth chart, right? I thought things were going great. I had a great spring ball. People had told me some, you know, positive things. And as a walk on at division one school, you know, it, you have to like really grind it. Like nothing's getting tomorrow's not given, right? Like mm-hmm. you have to earn every single, earn your reps, earn every single day. And so I thought I was doing just that. And I think we going great. And walking into my junior season, uh, you have just like a yearly walk on meeting. It's really chill. It's really easy. 
And um, I walk into this meeting and one of the coaches, he sits me down and there was actually three coaches in the room. Usually there was only one. So that was a little different. And I sit down and the coach says, Hey, Alex, I want to tell you something. And he said, I want to shoot you straight. He said, we've over scholarshiped at quarterback. So we're bringing in this guy from Texas, to take your spot. And I remember at that it, it, kind of when you hear that bad news, it's kind of like slow motion, right? Like I couldn't even comprehend what was being told to me. I'm like, wait, what? Like say that again. And he said, you have to make a decision right now. Option number one is your cut. You're done with the team. Option number two is you can stay on as this volunteer assistant coach. And, and you have to decide right now. And I'm thinking, how do I even decide this? Like, like you said, I have all these buddies on the team, like football is what I know. That's what I'm comfortable with. But I'm like, what do I do? Do I transfer? You know? And, and so I'm like, well, I guess I'll stay on as a coach, whatever that means. And so that was on a Friday. The first practice was on Monday. So that whole weekend, I kind of just, you know, sulked in my thoughts. I was dep- depressed. I felt like everything that I had worked for, all of a sudden I was humiliated, embarrassed. I let all these people down. <sighs> I was just like, man, where, where do I even go from here? Like, what is my purpose? What, why am I here? Like, what am I doing? And that first Monday was the practice. And I walk into the doors thinking like, you know what? I'm going to be this big time coach. I'm going to be successful, whatever. I'll make it work. And this assistant coach walks up to me. He says, Alex, come here. I want to show you what your job's going to be. And he hands me this flag and he hands me this like little yellow flag. And he says, Alex, this is what your job's going to be this year. You're going to take this flag. And when someone jumps offside in practice, you're going to take this flag and you're going to throw it down. (laughs) And then you're, and then you're going to go pick it up. And then you're going to sit on the sidelines. You're going to wait. When someone else jumps off sides, you're going to take this flag and you're going to throw it down and go pick it up. And I'm thinking like, okay, man, hashtag, what is life? Like, this is stupid. (laughs) What's what's going on? And I said, how long do you want me to do this for? Like the beginning of practice that, you know, the entire practice, you know, and he said, well, the thing is we have so many other assistants. We don't need you to do this for the entire practice. We need you to do this for the entire year. And so here I went from being like an SEC quarterback to this professional flag thrower, right? And the blink, blink of an eye. But just to fast forward for time's sake here, my entire junior season, like I was essentially like a volunteer coach. Like I didn't have a role, no pay. Like I was bottom of the totem pole, right? And so I had to look at myself similar to this, this you know, this quarantine, this pandemic, I had to look at myself and say, man, like, how do I want to be defined by this? Like, what do I want to happen going, moving forward? And I said, this isn't how I want to finish, right? This is not what it looks like. So rather than blaming the coaches or blaming whoever, I said, what can I get better at? What can I do differently? And so I worked on those things, whether it was my arm strength or different things. So ultimately I got back on the team my senior year um, as a quarterback. We went to the Citrus Bowl we beat Minnesota. Just a great experience, like an awesome overall experience. But my message to all your listeners is that, you know, when I look back on my career, in some ways, I actually think I made a bigger impact the year that I was that flag thrower, the year that I had no title. Um, and I think that's the lesson is that some, you might be in a role right now. Um, you're trying to figure out why am I here? What, what, what is my purpose? What is my role? But I would encourage your listeners that um, you might be able to make a bigger difference than you ever thought possible in that situation by just being, having your, showing humility and, and, and sticking through it and um, finding a way to get through it and taking ownership. I think taking ownership of your actions and how you can get better because we want to blame people all the time. We're seeing that just, you turn on the news, we're seeing people just blame, blame, blame. 
But man, if you just take ownership for your own life and those decisions, it's going to change a lot of things for you. And so for me, that's a little bit of my, my story in college that I, man, I just, I go around and share that story. It's hard to share it because I want to be up there and say, yeah, I was an all American. I, I had a perfect career. Like that would be a lot easier of a story. Right. Mm-hmm. But for me, like that's my story. And for me not to share like the, the humiliation that I felt going through that of getting cut of something that I love doing, like that's, that's real. And I think that's what people connect with. Cause I think we've all encountered things that, that hurt that, that we've lost. And so for me, that's just what I try to share. If I can, if I can encourage people to not give up when they're in that moment, when they're throwing that flag, just to keep going, understand that like there might be a bigger purpose, a greater purpose behind what's going on in your circumstances. If you can see past that, I think that's when you can start to have success. Yeah. It's, um, I mean, and I think those times when you're, you're down in the Valley, you're down and out, you're not sure you're throwing the flag. You're not sure when things are going to start to turn around are, are the biggest parts of it. Uh, I, I, I can think back to a, a couple times, but one time in specific, um, that really shines to me that where I was doing something like that. And I'm like, what am I doing? I was really down and out was, uh, my sophomore year, Yeah, my sophomore year of track and field, uh, we have our outdoor conference championship. And so indoor, I'm coming off of being, I'm in, I just came second place. Uh, like I, I was the, like the conference, not rookie of the year, but for pole vault, it was like, I was a, the best freshman there. And nice. I, I, I PR'd a couple times and I'm, I, I'm now doing really well. And outdoor year, um, I'm coming in as the number one seed. So I'm like, this is great. Like I'm, I'm, I'm really starting to see everything pay off. Things are going really well and, uh, being the number one seed. And on top of that, we're competing at home. It was a home meet. And for track and field, it doesn't happen very often. You get very few home meets, one or two, maybe if you're lucky. And so we're, we're, we're at home at the Mount, all of your friends, family are, are, are there. It's fantastic. And, uh, I just have the most nerves in my entire life. And, I go in there as the number one seed and I come, come out of it. Uh, I foul on all three of our attempts, uh, all three of my attempts. I I just do terrible and I don't actually compete. And so I score no points. Uh, I'm sorry. This is my junior year. Um, because then the worst part was our team was in line to win our very first conference championship in 20 years. And we, it was very close, very, very close. And I'm like, I just lost us 10 points that will most likely be the deciding factor. And it came down to the very last event uh, of the entire meet. And luckily enough, our, our team won it for us. So we got, we got this, Nice. but I was like, I failed and everyone expected me to do well. I was a captain of the team. I'm supposed to be the one that's, you know, gets this stuff done. And I just didn't do it. And then after that meet, I'm like, Hey, you know, not after that event, I'm like, the meet's still two days long. I've got to do everything I can to inspire the rest of the people on this team so they can do the best that they can do in their events and we can, you know, come out with come out winning this thing. And so it's right. like, it wasn't about me at that point. I'm like, I failed. Mm. I didn't do my job, but that doesn't mean that the job's over. I can, there's still so much to do like with the rest of the day. I love that. And maybe like your encouragement to some of those people help them push forward to then now you have a ring right so it's yeah. like like i love how you said it's not about me because ultimately like when you make the decision 
to make other people better. You get better. Everyone gets better. And like everyone benefits in that scenario. So I love that. I love that analogy. Yeah. It's that ownership where it's like, once I decided, okay, it's not the wind's fault that I didn't do well. It's not the right. fault that, uh, Oh, the, the starting gun went off or it's like, Oh, maybe my breakfast wasn't that great. Like, it's not that you just didn't, you just didn't do it. And sometimes right. you don't do it and that's fine. Like, I mean, the, the amount, if we looked at all the times that, you know, Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, LeBron James missed the game winning shot, we'd be like, right. Oh, they're terrible basketball players. Like, right. <laughs> but it's not, that's not the case. Like right. you, you got to look at the positives. And so it's like taking ownership and then moving forward or, is what can make you better in the, in these situations for sure. Yeah. A hundred percent. I, yeah, hundred percent. And you can't, yeah, you can't, you can't same with athletes. I think this, this athletic um, analogy goes straight into business. Like you can't, you can't just look back and say like, man, th- these ways that I screwed up now are going to affect me going forward. You almost have to, you have to, th- what they said in college for us is park it and refocus. So like if you have a bad play, park it, okay. Acknowledge that it happened and then refocus, flush it. You're kind of flushing that play back past you next play mentality. Like I can't look back And the same for our business lives or starting a business. Like, okay, yeah, maybe I failed public speaking in sixth grade, but guess what? That's done that's the past and I'm going to start something new. Right. So I think that's a great, great analogy as well. So to, to close, to close this out, um, I, I want to kind of bring you back to, let's say, um, you as a, in, in sixth grade, middle school, high school, whatever year it would, it would be for you, I guess, kind of where you're figuring things out, what you want to do with your life. What would you do if you got in a time machine, you go back to, sixth grade Alex, ninth grade Alex, whatever year it is for you, uh, and tell him, Hey, this is what you're going to be. This is what you're going to go through. And like, like what's some advice you'd give younger, your younger self for the journey that, that he has ahead of him? That's a really good question. Um, I would say, you know, if I knew, I would say some ways we're all still figuring out what we're going to do, right? Like I feel like every day I'm thinking of a new business idea or a new avenue that I can do things. But I would say overall, I would just tell myself that no matter what you go into, no matter what you do, it's all at the end of the day, a lot of what you do is about people and it's relationships. And so, you know, I was a communication major in college, business minor. At the end of the day, all of the jobs that you'll ever do, for the most part, you're going to be dealing with people. And so for me, I would just tell myself to continue to hone into those skills of how can I connect with people better? How can I be there for people? Um, Because at the end of the day, like, I mean, that's what, you know, I guess a lot of us can work remotely. So we're doing a lot of things over Zoom and things like that. But at the end of the day, I would just, how can I value people and how can I put them first? You go to a place like I was at with my wife at Chick-fil-A a few days ago, you go to a place like that and you're just like, wow, like they value people. Like at the end of the day, they, they, they love what they do. And so like, how can you, um, find experiences that you love doing that make a difference? And I think an eternal difference, a, a big impact in, in the long view of things, not just like, how can I make this money or do this thing now? But overall, when I look back at the, I think you have to begin with an end in mind. So like at the end of my life, what do I want people to say about me? And I think when you start thinking about those questions, then that you kind of work backwards and then you can start crafting like, okay, well, I want people to say that I loved for me, my faith. I loved God. I loved people. So if that's true, then like, what do I have to do to make that happen? And I think for me, that's just what I want to focus on is, is those two things right there. And so 
you know, I think I would tell myself, man, just put people first, put people like what you said earlier, it's not always about me, you know, and it's about putting other people before me. And I think that's what I would continue to tell myself is just keep putting value in other people that maybe need it a lot more than I do. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the way that I kind of, kind of think about that is like, there's only one of me and there's billions of you. So I'm outnumbered in this situation. So if I can help make the world a better place, like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm doing my part there, but, um, Alex, it's, it's been fantastic. Uh, great conversation. Learned a lot from you about your story. Uh, hope that people listening did as well. Um, where could people um, go to kind of find out more about you? I know that you have a, a book out and you obviously mentioned you have another one that, that's coming, coming down the road in about a year from now. Um, yeah. where, where can people go to, to learn more about your story and everything? Yeah, my social media is just at Alex Demchek, uh, D-E-M-C-Z-A-K. And then my website is um, www.alexspeaking.com, alexspeaking.com. But, you know, I would say social media. And then, um, you know, also if, if you are also a fan of camp, like we were talking about earlier, you can just Google my name and, and YouTube, you'll find that proposal video if you want any inspiration for any future proposals that you guys are doing. <laughs> so, <laughs> but awesome. yeah, um, social media. And then, yeah, we're coming out with this book, uh, 2021 so really excited but yeah man thanks for having me you, you have a bright future ahead and all the things that you're pursuing as well so i'm excited to watch that as well thank you thank you well um thank you uh alex and thank you to everyone that's been listening uh it's been another episode of innovators anonymous uh if you would like to catch up with the show make sure that you follow us on instagram at innovators.anonymous you can get all the news on the newest episodes uh, you can catch clips and uh all things like that and um, make sure that you follow, subscribe, leave us a rating. i uh, love to see what you guys are thinking of the show and where we can go next. Uh, this has been another episode. I'm Colin Waitsman. Have a good one. Peace.